1: Shines for us investors, it is another beautiful day in the neighborhood, Monday, November 9th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day, and we will try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And, Kev, we had a big time week nine, which was headlined by a Sunday night football game that many people thought was going to be exciting, but it stayed under the number. Why? Because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could not hold up to their end of the bargain. The New Orleans Saints go in there and boat race the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have now won both games heads up if that comes into play later on down the road in the NFC South. I gotta tell you something. What was interesting to me about this game, Kev, is we were like, oh, it's the return of Michael Thomas. The return of Michael Thomas. And Michael Thomas was involved, right? But Drew Brees, why? up completing passes to 12 different Saints in this one, okay? Truly working the ball around, showing Tom Brady, look, I can just go wherever the matchups are. I can score touchdowns. I can get ahead of you in the, you know, eternal count of touchdowns. But then Tom Brady throwing the ball to members of the other team. That, I believe, was the biggest problem in this one, Kev. The Saints go out and hide. They go out and win 38-3. to And this Bucks defense that was ranked number one, DVOA against the run, all that stuff, they didn't look worth a damn
2: last night either. So, for the Saints, played eight games. They've covered two. They've got the, yeah. the Bucs. They've covered against no one else. It's kind of wild. And... There's this idea of maybe, well, do they have Tampa's number? To be fair, mm. two game sample size, it's the only games we get. Maybe that's the case. But I don't know if that's realistic. I mean, this was a slaughter. I mean, I, I had the yeah. Bucks minus three and ultimately I mean I didn't care about the bet anymore. I'm like, I just wanted a good game. Like whatever, right. please. Like, can we like I wanted to watch this game. I was excited. It was over before, you know, before everything started. Sometimes that's how it goes. You give a lot of credit to the Saints here, but the Tampa Bay side is fascinating. Dane, defensively, yep. is a top five unit, right? Like at least yep. I would say for a Those lot of the... people. Yep, they couldn't do anything. I mean, they had the problem was they made a play on the fumble. They got that fumble of Jared Cook, three mm-hmm. and out for Tampa Bay. They start yep. the second half with a turnover. A fumble, they put that team down on the one yard line. I know it's you know at the time a blowout. It probably won't make a difference. A goal line stand from Tampa Bay. You ask yourself, did the Saints' defense turn a corner? I'm not sure. And I look at this from the Bucks' perspective. Okay, sure, maybe they need some more time to mesh here. But I was looking through with some people that cover this Bucks team closely. What they seem to be most frustrated with was coaching. From Bruce Arians to Byron Lefwich to Todd Bowles, the game plan, top to bottom, was not good enough. And at the end of the day, you can bring in as many talented players as you want. You can have as many high-level draft picks on the defensive side of the ball as you could possibly need. If the Mm -hmm. coaching is not up to snuff, then this Tampa team will continue to fall short. That is a very concerning loss. Completely blown out in a huge game. Yeah, it is concerning as we welcome our
1: radio audience from around the country. Big shout out to all the affiliates. Thanks for getting up early and getting on the grid with us. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh here on the early line. I don't know if I go like when you talk about the coaching, right? Like they got, they got, they got crushed. Okay. It was 38 to three. I absolutely agree with you. The amount of three and outs that Tampa was going through in the beginning of the game, even not taking Mm -hmm. advantage, like you mentioned, the Jared Cook fumbles, um, they just couldn't take advantage. The offense did not look good. Now, I could make excuses, right? Antonio Brown, first game with the team. Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans have had a long-standing beef back and forth, and it looks like Lattimore has rental space in Mike Evans's head, if you want to know the truth. Godwin's still coming back from injury, all that stuff. There's, a, there's excuses maybe out there if you want to make them. I don't necessarily want to make them, though, Kev, but tell mm-hmm. me a little bit more when you're talking about this coaching. OK, when you're talking about what this means for Bowls and Leftwich and Arians, explore that a little more, because this is a team where a mere two weeks ago we were all about, you know, what we were seeing on the defensive side. Sure. We were talking about Tom Brady managing games effectively. Right. So be more specific for me and illuminate for me what exactly around this coaching are you talking about? Mm-hmm.
2: So the defensive game plan ultimately seemed like they were trying to get home with three and drop into zones. Oh yeah, like let's give Drew Brees time to dissect the defense. What are we new here? That's an insane move. On the offensive side that of the could football, be part well, of I know the reason he, why he hit twelve different Saints, right? Whoever he his own, he, he, he could pick he, him apart. He, yeah, he did whatever he wanted. On the offensive side of the ball, they ran the ball four times. Fifth was a blame Gabbert knee. Now, I know we got to a point where it's like, ah, we can't run the football anymore. But think of to those first two drives. Okay. They went incomplete. Yeah good rojo run on this first drive they then had a second incomplete pass on the second drive a holding penalty ruined it they were running the football with some success and then everything was just a mess and they never were able to get back to the ground they let themselves get off platform i will make this point as we wrap up this game yep they were down 10 nothing to green bay rogers throws a pick six that moment is the difference between the bucks being bears level frauds and being a nfc contender it's a thin line this team is walking it is a thin line we've
1: been saying how the top of the nfc we believe is one flat tier on some level and that continued with a lot of these games in week nine we'll come back and discuss it after this on the early line
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on the grid as we look back at all the action from week nine of the NFL season. You know, Kev, I, I am... The NFC, I think, just tightens up if you want to know the truth, after this game, right? Not only because, you know, Tampa takes a step back. This game we're going to talk about next. Also, though, Seattle potentially taking a step back. They could not capitalize. You know, Green Bay goes out and wins, right, on Thursday. Then a lot of the big boys in the NFC Mm -hmm. wind up losing on Sunday from Seattle to Tampa. Even Arizona later in the show we'll talk about. But the Seattle Seahawks go across the country to Buffalo in a wanna clock spot and they do not get the job done the bills win this game 44 to 34 we talked about this being a high total kev and boy did it zoom over that with 78 points total josh allen like you see here throwing for 415 and three touchdowns 31 of 38 but honestly for me it was the other side it was russell wilson uh, turning the ball over four times in this one kev on mvp like i mean if you look. Look at it. Seattle did still put up 34 points. Right. So you wouldn't necessarily put this on Russ, but he turned the ball over a bunch, a pick in the end zone. Even, you know, you think about the Seattle defense that's been giving it up. And yes, Buffalo scored a ton, but this did not look like the MVP in this one to me, Kev.
2: No. Um, let me just quickly, though, finish up this Buffalo side, because the Seattle side is significantly yeah. more important. Um, our good friend, Chris Ventura, Bills fan, very excited, calling people idiots. Uh, because the Josh Allen regression was simply a slump. Uh, It doesn't count. Seattle's defense is basically like uh, the vaccine that we're all waiting on. Uh, Anybody can do anything against this defense. It is impossibly bad, but good for Josh Allen. He had a great game, 31-38, 4-15, three touchdowns, one on the ground. Seattle. This team, really? I don't think there's any world I can pick them to win the Super Bowl. I really don't care how good Russ is. They have the worst defense in the league. They're past Dallas. They have the worst defense in the league. Jamal Adams back. Carlos Dunlap's debut. It made no right. difference. It made no difference. In order to win games, they need Russ to be perfect. I mean, think about even like some of those games where Russ was wonderful and they were still tight. The game against the Patriots, right? right? The game against Minnesota. Minnesota. Like, he is also having an interception problem, right? I remember against after the Arizona game, and we agreed on this. By the way, you're like, ah, can you really rely on Russ to throw three picks like and be competitive? Mm-hmm. I totally agreed. We now have an issue. He's thrown seven interceptions in his last five football games. There's a turnover problem right now with Russell Wilson. It's a guy that usually doesn't throw picks. He's thrown a bunch of them, right? And you mentioned the two fumbles as well. If and he's, and he's throwing picks on the goal line, by the way. He's throwing a bunch of them down on the goal line. Think about the DK Metcalf-Buda Baker play. Threw another one in this game. He threw one against Miami. He has He's having an issue on like the two-yard line throwing the football. So let me ask you something I, about this. Because yeah.
1: I, I, you're right. This is an issue, right? We have seen this. And... I don't know if you're gonna give what I'm about to say credence, right? But he is still doing those kind of plays inside the five. He has some of those little lob mini moon balls in inside the 10 yard line, right? And now some of those yeah. are getting picked. Kev, if 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 Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde are there, are they running the ball in some of those situations? Like no,
2: they don't have are they down to their fourth year. running back.
1: They're down Dang, to their fourth They were throwing them back all year. DJ Kev.
2: Dallas scored on two weeks in level. a row. Dang. Yes, they be, they were doing that while Carson have, was
1: healthy. But when you don't have your actual running back or your backup running back, you know, you said about Tampa, they ran like five times in the game, right? Is this now just yeah. so imbalanced that they don't have that option, maybe forcing Russ to even have to do more
2: than what we were talking about in the first month of the season? N- to me, no. Again, like yeah. they. They, Chris Carson started the season off with two rushing touchdowns, like two receiving touchdowns. Remember against Atlanta, yeah, he's taking the, the screen and It's about being able to like have that option, though. You know what I mean? The option is there. This is the NFL. Yeah. We've all come to terms with it. The running back's don't. DJ Dallas scored. He's played two games. He's got two rushing touchdowns, Dane. They're fine. They can run the football if they right, want. But it's a, it's more but, for me it's more of a game of inputs than
1: outputs. Yes, he has a touchdown, but when the offense is there on the 7-yard line, right? It's about like what are they going to call? What are they like do they have confidence in it? What the defense can
2: respond to? It's more than just the box score. I I mean, again, like if ultimately, right? They're on the 2-yard line and Seattle yeah. drops 10 in coverage because they're like, "Ah, it's DJ Dallas?" Then run the stupid football. Like this isn't hard. Like, then don't call bad plays. Also, though, this has been working for them all year long. When when Carson was there, without Carson. The problem right now are these turnovers. And if he turns the football over, they're dead. The reality is, when it comes to this team, and why I, I know I won't be able to pick them to win the Super Bowl, is I'm going to need Russ to be perfect. Unless they get to buy... For four games, and then if they get to buy three games in order for this team to win a Super Bowl, that's an unreasonable ask, certainly for a guy right now that has an interception problem. For whatever it is, that's a real thing right now. Like the MVP race, he this guy was minus money before this right. game. If the season ended today, I don't pick him to win MVP. All right. No,
1: no, no. That's fair. It's not like I'm saying that, you know, I mean, it did come from such heights though, right? Like there was a point in the beginning of the season where he literally had like more incompletions than interceptions or something or then touchdown passes, right? Um, so obviously there has been some regression. He has turned the ball over. I wonder if when he has his actual running game with him, how much of an impact that would have. But let's go to the Buffalo side here because we've been talking about Kev on the Buffalo side. What tier is this team in? Right. And we were saying that this, their last few losses against Tennessee, against Kansas City, maybe showed that they were a cut below. Here, they have Mm -hmm. a a win against a team that's one of the top teams in the league, whether you think they are critically flawed or not. Right. Mm -hmm. This is one of the upper echelon teams in the NFL. And now, Buffalo and Josh Allen, they get that kind of uh, statement, signature, flag planting Mm -hmm. win. Does this change your perception of Buffalo?
2: in the kind of rank order in the AFC. It doesn't change my perception. Maybe that's unfair. Look, they did a great job. They got up to an early lead. They lit up this trash can of a defense. Then the good thing for them was, you know, defensively, they made the splash plays, right? Like they weren't really forcing – Seattle punted on their first drive of the game. That was the only time they punted, okay? Seattle, again, it was the turnovers. They made their splash plays. They benefited off of them, right? they had a fumble, they got a field goal. They had a pick, one play touchdown, right? They forced a the fumble, they got a f- like they were able to find ways to score points. So you give them a ton of credit for that. Um but do I think that Buffalo is into tier 1? I feel like I've almost lost track of our tiers at this point um because I, like we'll reset all I know the is the picture Ch- tomorrow though. Yeah, Well, I mean all I know is it's the Chiefs and then everybody else is just fighting over the crumbs, but it's a nice win for Buffalo. I can't wait for them next week. They travel to Arizona. I think it's a really, really fun football game.
1: It will be an interesting game. We'll see if they can hang on and, uh, you know, kind of hold off Kyla Murray in that one. You know, another team, kind of honestly, where there was an interconference matchup. Right, Kev, against teams that we're still trying to figure out here with Buffalo. It's like, hmm, with Seattle, you're thinking maybe they drop down a tier or at least they're kind of almost disqualified for you for the promised land if this continues Mm -hmm. with Russ. The Chicago-Tennessee game is also very interesting. I know we don't have a ton of time, and we'll continue to talk about this Mm -hmm. on the other side of the break after the Sports Grid update gets you all caught up. One of the things I was talking about in this game going into it, Kev, if you remember, I noted for you the turnover margin in this This game heading in where I said Tennessee was like plus seven or eight in the season and Chicago was not. And there were two turnovers that were really big in this one. One for Tennessee, newly acquired Desmond King took all the way back to the house. That is part of what got them a working margin and was what was ultimately a seven point game. I'm going to tell you, though, you know how I have the Bears under eight wins. And I got to say, I am buoyed by this. I do not see this offense as threatening me at all. And quite frankly, David Montgomery may be the worst starting running back in the NFL.
2: Oh no, Dave Montgomery is so bad; it's impossible. Um, again, I just hope Le'Veon Bell told them to go away and not the other way. <laughs> um, you know, we'll, we'll expand on it a little bit more. But Chicago went through the toughest part of their schedule now. Um, okay. What can they do coming out of it? That's the big question. All right.
1: We'll look at that. We'll also look at what lies ahead of Tennessee as well, because they got a—you know—they got a boost in their division going in with the. Col- so we'll look at the status of the Bears and the Titans when we come back after the Sports grid news update.
2: The Tampa Bay Buccaneers made
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: welcome back everybody right here to the early line giving you the edge on the grid big shout out to all of our radio affiliates thanks for getting up early and getting on the grid with us we're trying to give you the edge here on sports grid dane martinez and kevin walsh and kev i mentioned that turnover margin because listen that's and you know how the titans are like that sweaty team all the time right this was no this was no different right um it it was a six point kind of spread they win by seven same old thing here's my question for you this was A 10-0 game. Okay, this was a 10-0 kind of blue collar, you know, punch him in the mouth game. And it was 17. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Oh, my bad. I jumped that. My bad. bad, Then the Montgomery fumble, and that was on the other side of the field, right? Mm -hmm. The return was a good like 65-70 yards, right? So it goes Mm -hmm. from what could have been say 10-3. At, you gotcha, know, gotcha. conservatively, to flip sure. to 17-0, and that just augments yeah. my point, Kevin, in two forms, right? One, the turnover margin and how some teams are just bad in that vein, and some do create turnovers. The Tennessee Titans, a help had uh, that helped for them. And then also, David Montgomery is just a bad NFL running back, in my opinion.
2: No, yeah, look, David Montgomery can't figure these things out. I will say, it might be time for you to start looking at uh, these Nick Foles passing attempt props because this fits right into what you've been looking for. Here's Nick Foles in his starts 42 throws, 42 throws, 39 throws, 40 throws, 41, 52. Nick Foles is throwing the football 40 or more times in all but one of his starts, 39 being the lone exception. Like, I don't know what the Nick Foles passing attempts prop is being booked at. But oh, this th- number right now is something that we're going to have to be taking a look at. I want to make this point quickly on the Bears, though, Dane, okay? Because we talked yeah, about up? this, I think, before the Rams game. The, you know, what their schedule was moving outward. Or maybe it was after the right. Rams game. They lost all three of those games at L.A., then the short week, home versus the Saints in overtime, and then at Tennessee. And now, None of those losses to me are like, oh, you're a horrible team. They're reasonable losses. Here's what's left. Monday night, they host Minnesota. Bye week at Green Bay, home versus Detroit, home versus Lions, at Minnesota, at Jacksonville, home versus Green Bay. I remember the one thing that I had told you, right? Five division games left. I'm like, they are dogs in, at most, two of those games. Look at headlines available. Monday night football in Chicago against the three and five Vikings. They are dogs. Well, there we go. The world is off Chicago. The world... And, like, to a degree, I get it. And in another degree, I feel like it's the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen. Well, you know the way I feel
1: about the Bears. You know I never believed them. You know I thought they were Fugazi to begin with. My question now is, how are
2: they going to score, Kev? I just don't buy this offense. I mean, I think ultimately they're going to have to find... I, like this again. I'm not gonna kill you for losing at the Rams' prime time short week home versus the Saints, and then you often overtime travel to the Titans, who had lost two games in a row. None of those spots lined up for them. They lose that game to Minnesota. It's obviously then troubling. They go to five and five. They've lost, f- I think, right. four football games in a row. We're having a totally different conversation. They get that win, they hit the buy, and there's a little bit of comfort now for them. There's a little bit of all right, we got our we got our footing back. I I can't kill them for any of these losses. I really can't. All right, fair enough, but at this point
1: we do look at the Tennessee Titans who get that win. They go mm-hmm. to 6-2 and two, and they now, Kev, have a full game lead in the AFC South because of our next game Baltimore and Indianapolis. Indianapolis was starting to grow in perception. They were looking good more recently, but then Baltimore comes in and in essence punches them in the mouth. I think this was the good Lamar Jackson game on a number of reasons, Kev. One, he runs for 58 yards and a touchdown. But listen, what we have been talking about, right? was Lamar Jackson throwing the football? Are we getting any concerns with Lamar Jackson throwing? And the fact for me that he goes 19 of 23, that is incredibly efficient. This is the path to victory that the Baltimore Ravens want. Their defense can score after the the Taylor fumble. I know you're going to have more to say about Jonathan Taylor, but this Ravens defense does what they're supposed to do. And then Lamar does just enough, does not turn the ball over Kev, right? You put them in a bad spot with the pick six against Pittsburgh, right? Mm -hmm. This is the more workman-like, physical Baltimore Ravens with Lamar even running. J.K. Dobbins was not awesome, but it's it's an amount of attempts. You know what I mean? Between Lamar and J.K. and Gus, they run the ball 36 times, Kev, and the fact that they're able to do that, I believe, allows an efficient completion percentage from Lamar. You have that. You still have
2: that defense in tow. That's the formula for these as they go to 6-2. So the Ravens were trailing 10-7 at half, and Lamar yep. had played a C- minus to a D-level game. I watched about his, like, that game was up solo. We had red zone on, of course. That, like, I needed, yep. I've been talking about Lamar nonstop. I'm like, I need to watch this play out, right? He didn't turn it over. And that's all they needed, to just be competitive. Same thing on this st- team. Just don't be miserable. 10-7, They come out in the second half, and he played a B-level game, maybe a B-plus-ish. Like, because this is the thing. This was a good enough game from Lamar. He didn't throw a touchdown. He wasn't lighting them up on the ground. Like, this is not a game like, oh, Lamar's back. Not at all. If this is Lamar's ceiling, they are screwed. But, by the way, if they got this game from Lamar – they beat the Steelers by 10 points. That's what okay. I'm saying. This is what they need.
1: They don't need MVP Lamar, right? They have a good uh, no. defense. All they need is him yeah. to
2: be efficient, just do protect the, right thing, the football, thing,
1: turn the ball over.
2: Right? 100%. 100%. Before we get to the cold side, I just want to say this. As someone who played Dobbins in a DFS lineup, mm. Gus Edwards is the goal line back Oh yeah, with, with distance. Gus Edwards oh, yeah. fumbled on the goal line. They got Did. right back down there. They gave, Gus Edwards, four consecutive goal line carries. I have never seen anything like that in my life, okay? Ronald Jones fumbles. It's not even his fault. And Bruce Arians sends him back home. He's like, yeah, you don't need to be here anymore. It's Fournette's game. Gus fumbled on the goal line. And Jim Harbaugh's like, listen, I got Gus in a couple DFS lineups. Pound him. Mm. I've never seen anything like it in my life. So just keep that in mind for your prop players or anytime touchdown scorers. Dobbins has that ability to break one. He, again, he is yeah. the best back in this backfield to me, but Gus is clearly the guy on the goal line, clearly.
1: Yeah, the roles are clear. I, I noted that as well with Gus Edwards. You could add Lamar Jackson but, you know, inside the five as well, but Dobbins is more of those like he takes the swing pass on the 12-yard line and gets in. Okay, that's mm-hmm. more of what we're going to see, I believe, out of J.K. Dobbins. I want to ask you about two elements of these Indianapolis Colts, though. Okay, OK, sure. One one is what did you make of the fact that they bring in Jacoby Brissett to throw the Hail Mary Uh, because (laughs) Philip Rivers clearly does not have the arm strength to do that anymore. And then talk to me about this backfield with Jonathan Taylor, who I know you hopped off of only getting six carries and fumbling the ball in this one, whereas Wilkins gets 11 for 39. Talk to me about the Colts moving forward.
2: Yeah, so Jonathan Taylor stinks. Uh, They gave him a one-yard touchdown, which was hilarious because they refused to give him a touchdown last week. Um, And then he fumbled, so he basically immediately didn't reward them. That was a scoop and score. That's what let the Ravens, uh, you know, be right where they needed to be and come out and play a nice game at the half. Uh, The Marcus Peters' interception play is still one of the wildest things I've ever seen. Do you Um, think that was a pick? I don't. I just I don't. I thought it was a like a catch and a fumble was like fine for me. It was a it was wonky, but I was on the Ravens. Like I had the Ravens money line and the Ravens in the <laughs> teaser, so like I was wearing purple colored glasses. And sure. I was like, that's the easiest pick I've ever seen. Why was it reviewed? Um, obviously, it was wild. Um, in fact, it was overturned as well. Wild. Yeah. The Colts didn't score in the second half. The Colts have this is they're in trouble. They're in trouble now. They play Thursday night, okay? Short memories. You go into Tennessee. You get a win. You feel good about yourselves, okay? That line's already on the move, by the way. Look at headline. They were only getting uh, a point as opposed to, like, a field goal. That line's already moving. I don't know why that was the number. Should have never been the number. It won't be the number by the time we're talking about it on Thursday. Colts win that game. They change their fortunes. I don't think they're going to win that game. Um, I was up early this morning, um, earlier than I needed to be, but I was up early, so I was doing some extra research. Nice. This is not a favorable schedule for the Colts. Okay, If you were to ask me today, do I think this team hmm. makes the playoffs, my answer is no. I know a lot of people love the Colts coming into the year. I think the Colts were probably a playoff team for me in my seven preseason. Right. I look at their schedule right now. I look at the way Phillip Rivers is playing. I don't think this is a playoff team
1: interesting. Uh, we'll have to look at that schedule a little bit deeper to uh, kind of fully understand where you think they fall and quite frankly, who you think fits in ahead of them. Uh, one team that is definitely going to be ahead of them we believe is the only undefeated team left in the National Football League, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They moved to 8-0 and even though I got to tell you something, Kev. I thought they were sleepwalking. Okay, I thought they were sleepwalking. Yeah. I thought they were reading their press clippings. You know, if you were smart, you laid, I believe it got to over two touchdowns. I believe he got to 14 and a half for Dallas at home. That did not happen. Let me ask you something and we'll talk about this game more on the other side of the break. What looked like it could have been bad for Big Ben. Going down, grabbing the knee, kind of a Byron Leftwich esque series, right, where he's like hobbling but still delivering the ball, like one step back and finding people. That was ultimately their first touchdown drive that got them going. Kev, do you believe that the quasi Ben injury was like a wake up call for them?
2: No, I don't think that they were just playing to Dallas long enough. Um, mm. I don't think it was. I don't think it was the injury that was the wake up call. We talk about inevitably
1: with Dallas. Maybe it's not Zeke anymore. Maybe it's scoring points against them. We will He's not even about the best running back on his team. On his team. We will come back and talk about it more. We'll see if our producer agrees with you as well when we come back right here on the early line. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to The Early Line, giving you the edge on sports grid. Dane and Kevin. And we're talking about this Pittsburgh-Dallas game. You know, I mean, Dallas actually gave up far less points than usual, right? And I think that speaks to the fact that Pittsburgh kind of sleptwalked through portions of this game. You talk about how Tomlin-led teams kind of play to the level of their competition at times. What do you think? You know, we can, we can talk about Dallas. We can talk about, you know, whatever the case may be. But, Kev, I really believe – uh We got to see what happens with Big Ben you know adrenaline is a beautiful thing and he was kind of standing and delivering whether they're going to list him as you know really with an injury or manage his practice reps here's the thing the Pittsburgh Steelers are 8-0 the Pittsburgh Steelers are the last undefeated team in the National Football League the Pittsburgh Steelers have designs on going to the Super Bowl and the Pittsburgh Steelers still have 8 regular season games against physical teams like Cleveland and Baltimore and there's now a target on that man's knee and we know about Mason rudolph we know about duck hodges like if he if if he can't get through the season they are kaput okay it's almost like what happens with Dak now being gone in dallas right i am concerned longer term about i don't know how serious it is right but if ben is banged up these things don't get better when we go through the season, that's the concern for me that he's gonna have to manage this. And what happens if it, you know, if it gets worse, or, you know, I don't wanna talk about going camping and it ultimately popping and all. But this is a concern for me long term for the Steelers, Kev.
2: Look, the thing is, uh, we spoke to Dr. David Chow on the show. He was okay. like, yeah, he's gonna be back. Like, without hesitation, he's like, yeah, he'd be back in this game. So I'm not as concerned. Big Ben is always banged up. I don't know if Ben's been healthy right. since like 06. So, ultimately, like, I'm not too concerned until we hear more. I just think okay. this spot is important for people to know. Again, it's in bad form to call something easy. You do not put money on. I did not put money on this. But Dallas got 14 points, okay? They scored the field goal at the three-minute or mark, okay, in the first quarter. They were leading all the way until there was two minutes and 14 seconds left in this game. That, that's about as non-sweaty of a game as you could possibly have. This is what Tomlin has done whole career. Road dog, plays up. Road favorite, plays down. Whole career. Against the spread, it's like Zimmer at home against the spread with the Vikings against non-division opponents. Just an ATM machine. Why is this important? Next week, early line's out right now. They're laying nine and a half. They are home. To the Bengals, but still a spot. They're laying points. Okay, I think there's going to be a lot of talk. Ah, it was, you know, they didn't know what they were doing. It was Dallas. They'll be up for this—a wake-up call. That number gets to ten. Watch for the hook. I think we take the Bengals. The following week, they go to Jacksonville, the Jaguars. They'll be laying two touchdowns again. There's a very real world where this team, through 11 weeks, okay, goes up to 10 and 0 but they now are going to drop three consecutive games against the spread. I think it's very important to keep tabs on that. From the Dallas side, Tony Pollard is their best running back. The Z contract hasn't kicked in. This organization is in an absolute disastrous place. I don't see how Mike McCarthy keeps his job. Um, that's really the reality for Dallas. Look, had they won that game, I think we could have had a conversation about them in the division. They didn't win the game. They're 2-7. and seven. They're three games out of Philly in the loss column. Doug Peterson playing for the tie was the smartest thing he's ever done because of the state of this division. I just think Dallas is a team we talk about from the offseason prism from now until the season is over.
1: Fair enough. And maybe they can be had and maybe the ways you try to fade them, whether it be in totals, whether it be in fantasy, you know, because they do look like a dumpster fire and Zeke Elliott looks like a shell of his former self. You're right. Tony Pollard by far looks like the best back. I mean, Garrett Gilbert was their leading rusher at points in this game with Pittsburgh, though. You know, I know, Kev, you are always on the against the spread kind of leans and what that means. Right. But at the same time, Kev, you just said it yourself. They may not even cover those next two games and wind up 10-0, and right? So we have to look at it with both frames, right? The idea of, sure, how we can make money on them. That's what we do in terms of giving you the edge here on the grid. But on some level, you know what I mean? Like, they were 14-point favorites, but they don't care. You know, Tomlin does not care about the point spread the same way we talk about Bill Belichick not caring about your fantasy team, right? They're just trying to get W's and so far they have done so in every game so far for them this season. Another team at the top of the AFC that is reeling off wins, Kev, are the Kansas City Chiefs in a similar spot, right? They were 9-10 point favorites at home. They didn't cover but they get the win 33-31. Teddy Bridgewater continues to uh, do his thing again against the spread as a covering quarterback, but they're not getting wins. They fall to three and six Patrick yeah. Mahomes 30 for 45, 372 yards and four touchdowns. And for the first time in a long time, Kev, one of those touchdowns was your Mahomes to air He finally gets into <laughs> the end zone. It's like the reverse, yeah. right? At the beginning of the year, Kev, uh, Hilaire scrimmage yards was out of control. Not getting Mm -hmm. into the end zone. Now, Hilaire gets like 10 yards, but he gets into the end zone, helping the Kansas City Chiefs. They look good, Kev. 8-1. and Patty Mahomes is saying, everybody's thinking about Russell Wilson and all these other dudes. Don't forget about me. I'm the guy who is worth half a billion dollars.
2: I'll tell you, it is hilarious that since Le'Veon Bell has shown up, we can't get a game where we find out who is the lead back. It's like five carries for one and four for the other. And it's like, I don't know who yeah. is who, but who cares? Ultimately, the reason why, like, I am so like, ugh, with Pittsburgh, they can't beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs would obliterate that team. And that's why when we've talked about this AFC futures market, the one thing I've always made to throw out there is, yeah, there's probably value on the Chiefs at plus 175 because they're the best team in football with an impossibly wide margin. Like, Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of the season. Ended today, he's thrown 25 touchdowns to one interception. He's second in the leading in in passing yards. And it didn't even feel like he started the season hot. Like, he's the best player in football, bar none. They're the best team in football. With a gap. With a good gap. Like, Tier 1, whole league, Chiefs, Tier 2, no one. Tier 3, figure it out. Hmm. That's how good this team is. Like, they're plus 350 to win the Super Bowl. Probably guys. Probably. At the minimum I expect them there. And you could do some hedging. They'd be favored against any team out there in the NFC on a neutral site. Tampa, I don't know how you handle that if the Bucks were there and it's in Raymond James. I don't know. But from and the Chiefs play them actually at Raymond James. So you get an idea what the number would look like anyway. This is the best team in football. Credit to Carolina. They hang around. Like this is what this team was able to do. They had a great game plan. They bled the clock. But they like they weren't even getting stops. They just weren't allowing them to have the football. The Chiefs only punt was the their last drive of the game. Right, right, so right. The, the the Chiefs rolled they, they didn't roll, but they look as good as ever. They're c they're hitting the bye. To me, they're the best team of football, Bar none.
1: I hear you, and this is even without one of their weapons in the herd, right? Like Sammy Watkins, nowhere to be found, doesn't matter. Kelsey catches 10. uh, Tyreek Hill, two touchdowns and 113. You know, Hardman, Robinson, Edwards, Hilaire getting into the end zone as well. So we are seeing that. I will say this, though. uh, Christian McCaffrey, welcome back, bro. Like, you, you, we, if, if anybody was forgetting about how great it was, and listen, Mike Davis was good for this team, but Christian McCaffrey comes in, gets a touchdown on the ground, catches 10 balls for 82 yards, another touchdown in that vein. Nice little weapon for Teddy Bridgewater to come back. I'm not saying, you know, I, I do believe the arrow is pointing up in Carolina. I do believe they don't need to necessarily be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, right? Uh, they need to address the defense. Defensive side of the ball. Let me ask it to you this way, though. What type of team threatens the Chiefs? Okay. If you think they're the best, right? What does a team, what ingredients do a team, does a team need to have to beat the Chiefs? Is it like the Raiders to just try to outscore them or do you want to try to slow them defensively? What do you
2: think is the way to beat the Chiefs? The lead? Can I have the lead and, and try and, you know, make them, uh, just have to play from behind so I can have a little bit of comfort so I'm not one-dimensional. I mean, that was the reality. That's pretty much been the reality since Mahomes took over. You try and run the ball. You run the ball as long as you can. You keep them off the field. Again, the Panthers hung around here the whole game, right, Dane? They forced a punt, okay? Yeah. They, like, at the end of the day, this was because, like, they went into the half Carolina up 17-13. They forced No punts. The fumble, by the way, that ended the half was just like a lateral play that didn't – like, they were winning at half just because of how much time they took up. So, I don't know. It's going to be really, really difficult there, I think, to beat this Kansas City team. And I'll just make this point here, guys, on Christian McCaffrey. Um, There's someone who is a prop player that I respect that I saw took under McCaffrey five-and-a-half receptions with the comment being, Mike Davis is still alive. It doesn't matter. As long as Christian McCaffrey is alive, this is the guy, okay? And Mike Davis, by the way, was involved in the passing game. Six targets, five receptions, 34 yards. McCaffrey, 10 targets, 10 catches, 82 yards, receiving touchdown. And then on the ground, 18 for 69 and a score. Dalvin Cook is having a magical season. We'll talk about it when we get there. He's got 12 rushing touchdowns. He's He's missed games. It's incredible what this guy is doing. McCaffrey is still just the top dog, okay? Ultimately, like, if you had to have one for the rest of the way, I don't know. Mm -hmm. McCaffrey maybe picked up a little bit of an injury. Uh, At the end of this game, we'll see how he is. Again, the pro football doc said he's going to have to wait. Yeah, just kind of a maybe they put him out there for a little bit more than they should have in his first game back. But this is his first game back. Touched the ball 30 times. Yeah. Two touchdowns. This is what he does. It is he's the best back in football, Bar none, even if Mike yeah, Davis was bad. excellent, but like right
1: and he was. yeah, I feel bad for Mike Davis, right? like Mike yeah. Davis proved that he can be an NFL running back. like Chicago would you know, Chicago used to have Mike Davis, you know, like they jettisoned Mike Davis, you know, like, They'd love to have a guy like Mike Davis right now. But, you know, I'm wondering because I think you're right. Listen, and we started saying it at the beginning of the season, right? Patty Mahomes has the answers to all of the questions. And, you know, I believe that that's the way fundamentally football goes. Do you have the answers to the questions the opposing team poses to you? So – who, is it a team maybe like a Tennessee or a Baltimore who may be able to control the clock running the ball? What A team like Pittsburgh who can try to do the outscore them approach. Um, a team like Buffalo, we saw that they can't do it. Maybe I trust in that defense and Josh
2: Allen trying to outscore. Yeah. What's, the, what's the formula? Who do you think has the best shot? So uh, this is the thing. This is more of an any given Sunday than a Okay. Oh, this team is constructed. Then the to formula beat them. style makes fight. Yeah. Okay. It's like uh, you go into that Sunday and you're like, I think the Steelers ultimately get a pick six and it flips the game on its head. I think Lamar comes out and wakes up. I think that with Derrick Henry, this team is able to to control the clock a little bit. Like this is there's not a formula. You know, you always you say this right? Who can answer the questions? He is the question. Yeah. Mahomes is the question. You have to answer okay. that. Okay? Because he'll he'll do the rest. Um, One more thing on this game, by the way. An undefeated big plus money prop on the year is Christian McCaffrey to score twice. He's done it in every single game. Three for three. He has two touchdowns in all three of his games. Hmm. So, just keep that in mind. Like, it's it's always a big plus number. So... Interesting. It's worth I wonder if it's
1: still a plus number with Dalvin Cook moving forward. But we got plenty of games to discuss. We will continue to do so when we come back on the other side of the break. You know, there are more contenders to discuss. Oh And there's still some teams fighting for that first overall pick as well that are competing, but just in a different way. We'll talk about it all when we come back right here on the early line as we ride out. You know what I'm saying? Big time music here on the early line. Get Kevin the Candleburner excited on a Monday morning. Come on back. You'll see him dance. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the Early Line. I'm Dane Martinez, my main man, Kevin Walsh. We're talking here for a little bit about Denver and Atlanta. We got a couple minutes. Want to give you our takeaways from that one. I was lamenting the fact that I was on Russell Gage because, you know, no – uh, no Calvin Ridley. I thought he would be the guy to step up. But no, Zacchaeus gets 103, a bomb for a touchdown. Hayden Hurst catches seven balls. Julio's still in play. Gurley, listen, Gurley gets into the end zone, whether he wants to or not, seemingly, every game in the Atlanta Falcons, 34-27 over the Denver Broncos. I will say this, though. There was a time in that game where it looked like Atlanta might piss away another one, but they get the job done, 34-27, to Kevin.
2: Yeah, they gave up 21 fourth-quarter points. Denver had the football down seven with an opportunity to tie it up. Um, Drew Locke, 313 yards, two touchdowns, not a bad game. Yeah. Um, again, seven carries for 47 rushing yards and a touchdown. Like That's good to see him scrambling a bit. For me, I've been waiting for the Jerry-Judy breakout game. Okay, Cord yeah, Sutton got hurt. Like, where where was this coming? 14 targets, good for seven grabs, 125, and a score. This is what he has the potential to do. Uh, this guy should be the top dog on this team. Um, I don't want to step on your toes here, Dan. I don't know. Maybe um, a little bit of a What's diamond that- for people. He's probably owned everywhere, but he wasn't producing I for probably so long owned
1: already. Yeah, yeah, I try and look at guys that are owned in less than 50% of leagues. I don't know that yeah. Judy fits that category, but we will see, and we'll talk about it for sure later on in the week.
2: And I'll tell you this, though, from a DFS perspective on FanDuel this week, he was 5,700. Um, mm. The kid the kid that beat me had Judy. I looked at Judy all week. Hey, I played hey, Claypool. Hey, hey. Duh, it is what it is. Hey, let me ask um, you and look- Kev. Yeah, go for it.
1: Do the Denver Broncos have their quarterback of the future?
2: So, this is the thing. I told you this last week, you asked me. One, none, or both of these quarterbacks are starting for their teams next year. I said both. I don't know if Drew's the guy, but Drew's sticking around. Like, he's not gone. Again, like, this guy's not played 16 career games. Like, Drew Drew Lock is going to be sticking around here for a little bit. Um, He's starting to play a little bit better. And, you know, look, this team's 3-5. and If I'm going to hang on by a thread that the Patriots season isn't over, then I guess the Broncos isn't either. Their schedule, much more difficult than the Pats. But... Look, Denver, all you want to do the pads, <laughs> is, it's true, all you want to do is be competitive. Be competitive, good things from Locke, good things from Judy. That's all you're right. looking for. Hey, Send Melvin Gordon back in, See if the you
1: have your guy. we got more to discuss. Hour number two of the early line is up next. we got more games, all sorts of stuff. Oh, by the way, Kevin's still going to dance.